today on Ag News Daily. So, so while we were developing our continuous improvement metrics, we wanted to work closely with all of those groups in the specific species to align with them, but also to better communicate. Good afternoon, folks, and happy Thursday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. Delaney Howell joined today by Ashton Carnash, and I have been out on the road, but at I have uh, had a good week, so I don't know if any of our listeners care. I was at the NAMA convention down in Kansas City, National Agri-Marketing Association's annual meeting, meeting with uh, potential sponsors for the podcasts in the network. So that was really fun, but it was also just great to reconnect and see people face-to-face. Some of these folks I've not seen in over a year now because of COVID, so... I'm definitely jealous that you got to travel a little bit. Kansas City has always been on one of my places that I want to go. And it is just so filled with agriculture. So I'm definitely going to have to make a stop there sometime. You absolutely should, Ashton. It is a uh, great little town. And if you love barbecue, they are definitely known for their barbecue. Well, Delaney, some exciting things have been going on since we last spoke. I guess really not for me, but for my family, because two of our heifers just calved this week and one of them did it all on her own. She was a first time mom, but she made it through. So that's pretty good news for us. Well, that is great news, Ashton. Well, Delaney, I'm going to follow that up with uh, some not so good news. It's uh, kind of a mix up, I guess, here today, particularly uh, for for China, because there's been um, some flooding that I haven't been paying attention to. I think this is the first news story that I've really heard about it. But the floods that are drenching central China are submerging swaths of major economic and transport hubs. It's threatening supply chains for goods ranging from cars, electronics, to pigs, peanuts, and coal. Power had been partly restored, and some trains and flights were running earlier today, but analysts said that disruption could last for several days, pushing up prices and slowing business across densely populated areas of China. I think it's important to know that uh, transport of coal, which generates most of China's power from top mining regions, was severely impacted, the state planner said yesterday, just as power plants scramble for fuel to meet peak summer demand. So not so good news there. I'm interested in particular to know a little bit more about how this is going to really affect the pig market. Yeah, I saw this piece of news come out as well. And I don't think it's a big market mover right now, but there is the potential, like you're suggesting, for it to further delay the growth of their hog herd there. So we'll have to continue to watch and see how that story develops, Ashton. Absolutely, Delaney. But do you have any good news to kind of get us back on track? Uh, Unfortunately, I don't have a whole lot of good news today. I do have a piece of news that is not supportive for the market's Related to exports, we saw the U.S. recorded more cancellations than new export sales of corn last week. In the USDA's latest weekly export report released on Thursday morning, of course, we saw corn had net sale reductions of 88,500 metric tons. We also saw cancellations of around 284,000 tons, offsetting the 196,000 in new sales. So 
definitely not doing so hot on that front. China was the main buyer, of course, there, no surprise, but overall not looking so good on the corn side of things. However, we did have pretty significant exports for soybeans. Uh, They did fall from the previous week, but still clocked in at 238,000 tons. We also saw a pretty Drastic increase in wheat exports to 478,000 tons. So not so great news there for corn, but definitely looking good on the soybean and wheat side of things. Well, Delaney, I have some pretty monumental news here. At least that's what some of the articles that I saw about this subject were calling it. As Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack testified during the Immigrant Farm Workers Are Essential to Feeding America Judiciary Committee hearing. It was the first ever appearance by an agriculture secretary before the full Senate Judiciary Committee. That's why so many people were making a pretty big deal out of it. And during Vilsack's opening statement, he discussed the important role that immigrant farm workers have made in the food and ag industry in the overall economy. He also voiced support for the passage of the bipartisan House-passed Farm Workforce Modernization Act of 2021, which is legislation that would provide undocumented farm workers, many of whom have lived in America for years, an opportunity to earn citizenship. And I think that we're going to be talking a little bit more about labor in the coming weeks. We have some exciting things planned for the Ag News Daily podcast. So we're going to continue talking about this, H2As and uh, things of that nature. Yeah, and I think the consensus across both houses or both chambers of Congress um, and across the ag industry and people on both sides of the aisle is that we do need to do something related to labor because there is a shortage of labor, especially on in the agricultural industry. I think the big question is how we go about getting that done. And so you're right, Ashton, uh, Secretary Vilsack ju- did appear today, or excuse me, appear Wednesday in front of senators to urge them to go ahead and pass this bill. However, it doesn't sound like that was met with a very much, it was met with more pushback, I suppose, than positive comments in favor of it. So I, I do anticipate we will see something happen during this administration. I don't know what that will be, but hopefully it is something that's equitable for all parties because at the end of the day, we really just need Workers, we need a steady supply of those workers, especially with COVID-19 locking down a lot of countries to be able to travel into the United States. That's been a big issue for folks that do use those seasonal workers. Well, Delaney, I just have one more story to share today. Coming back from China as they ban cattle imports from Laos to prevent skin disease. China's Customs said earlier today that it has banned the importation of cattle and cattle products from Laos to prevent spread of lumpy skin disease. The move came after Laos reported its first outbreaks of the disease in cattle earlier this month. China found the disease in its own cattle herd last year. Lumpy skin disease is caused by a debilitating virus and is thought to be spread by flies or mosquitoes, and it does not affect people and is rarely fatal, but But China's taking this pretty seriously, even though it's not very fatal. I guess they're just uh, a little bit traumatized by finding that disease in their cattle herd last year. Well, and they probably can't really afford to have another issue like that in their supply chain. So I'm guessing they're uh, all hands on deck to sort that one out. 
Absolutely, Delaney. But I am all out of news for today. Do you have anything else for us? I don't think I have really a whole lot of other news. I also just wanted to quickly mention again here as we head into the market section that we did see a little bit of a pullback today across commodities. But overall, we're still chugging right along, especially in the wheat market. Um, as, As you look at areas that are impacted by drought right now, key growing areas for our wheat crop, both here in the United States and in Canada, continue to fight with drought issues. So I do anticipate that we'll probably, no, I'm no market analyst. I'm not a technical analyst by any means, but from what I'm reading and seeing and hearing, there should be some continued strength for the wheat market. So exciting stuff there if you are a wheat producer, maybe not so much if you are an end user trying to figure out how you're going to feed your livestock or fuel your facilities or whatnot, because we are continuing to see uh, pretty supported levels here in the corn and soybean market. But we did continue to have a little bit of a pullback today after earlier this week, we sold off pretty hard on Monday. And we Sold off again pretty hard today in the sweeping market, but let's kick things off here first in the corn market with the September contract down seven and a quarter cent to close at 564 and a half. The Dece down seven and a quarter to close at 561 and a quarter. In the soybean pits today, the September contract down 28 and three quarters cents to close at 1369. November down 27 and a half cents to close at 1362 and a quarter. And as I mentioned, we did have some pullback today in the wheat markets. However, overall, we're still sitting at some pretty high prices when you consider where we've been in the past couple of years. And I actually misspoke. We didn't see all wheat markets close lower in the spring wheat contracts, but we did see the front month contracts close a little bit higher today, followed by some weakness out in the deferreds. The September Minneapolis spring wheat contract up six and a quarter cent to close at 904. The December up four and three quarter cents to close at 892. Hopping over to chat livestock for today, we saw some green across the com- cattle complex as the August Life cattle contract added 75 cents to close at 120.80. The October up a dollar 42 and a half to close at 126.67 and a half. And in feeder cattle today, the August contract adding a dollar 42 and a half to close at 158.20. The September up a dollar 40 to close at 160.70. And wrapping things up here, not quite yet with the, I got a little bit ahead of myself there, but with the lean hog market, we saw mixed trade today as the August lean hog contract added seven and a half cents to close at 106.65. The October down 67 and a half cents to close at 91.72 and a half. And now wrapping things up with the class three dairy milk futures. The August contract up 31 cents today to close at 16.41. The September up 22 cents to close at 16.82. Ashton, unfortunately, I wasn't able to join you for today's interview, but fill us in on who we're talking to for today. Today, we are talking to Eric Mittenthal about Protein Pact coming from the North American Meat Institute. Today, we are talking to Eric Mittenthal, who is the Vice President of Sustainability at the North American Meat Institute about Protein Pact. But before we get into that and kind of unpack what that is. Eric, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. So like I said, Eric, we of course are talking about protein packed today, but before we get into that, why don't you tell us a little bit more about what you do as the VP of sustainability? 
Sure. Um, I'm with the North American Meat Institute, and our members are meat packers and processors around the country. Uh, we, we produce 95% of the red meat in the U.S. and 90 uh, and 70% of the turkey. And uh, my role is to design a sustainability program for the industry uh, in conjunction with our membership and uh, showcase how the industry uh, can drive continuous improvement towards healthy people, healthy animals, and a healthy planet. And Protein Pact is a part of the North American Meat Institute. So how did Protein Pact kind of come to be? Yeah, the, the, I would say the North American Meat Institute is part of the Protein Pact. Um, we, we initiated it a couple of years ago uh, with a vision to align ourselves as an organization to be more focused on meeting consumer expectations and aligning with consumer values. And we realized that in order to do so, we had to develop the continuous improvement proof points uh, that people expect to see from the industry. Uh, um, and, and those are really focused on uh, our key areas of uh, animal welfare, environmental impact, food safety, human health and wellness, and labor and human rights. And as we uh, began our journey, uh, on improvement in all of those areas, we recognized that uh, many others throughout the industry were already on a, a very similar journey. Uh, groups like the U.S. Roundtable for Sustainable Beef, the U.S. Roundtable for Sustainable Poultry and Egg, uh, the Pork Board We Care Program, uh, programs in the supply chain with uh, United Soybean Board and National Pork Growers Association, um, the, the dairy uh, folks as well. And so we, we realized that a lot of our sustainability goals uh, were very aligned. And as the organization that, uh, that has all of those proteins under our umbrella, um, that was the one thing that was missing was that, that all of these different efforts um, were it for, it for individual species. And so there was a lot of work for the individual species, but, but nothing that brought animal protein together as a whole. Uh, so, so while we were developing our continuous improvement metrics, we wanted to work closely with all of those groups in the specific species to align with them, but also to better communicate the work that we are, we are all doing. And so that's how the protein pact came to be, um, to, to really bring together all of these organizations doing really great sustainability work and thinking about how we can work in a united fashion and particularly communicate in a united way about the efforts that we are all undertaking. And Protein Pact, it stands for the, the people, animals, and climate of tomorrow. And I kind of want to touch on the people side because I think that that's one thing, especially when we talk about sustainability, we talk a lot about um, you know, how we're caring for our animals and raising them in a sustainable way. And of course, that also deals with climate, but we don't talk a whole lot about the people. So why don't we dive into that a little bit? Yeah, the, the people uh, are, are represented in, in a number of ways. Um, first off, it's, it's making sure that the people within our industry are, um, are successful, um, that, that we are protecting the people who work for us and providing, uh, really strong, uh, desirable jobs that are safe and, uh, and, and allow a, a very strong standard of, li of living. Um, and it's also about providing for, uh, 
you know, all people of the world as far as a, a very nutritious product that is a key contributor to healthy diets around the world and, and providing that nutrition and food security for people um, through the products we offer. And so uh, people really has that, that very multifaceted approach and all of them are very important. So Eric, I kind of want to talk about the goals of a protein pack. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, we're we're still um, in development of of some of the specific goals that that we're setting out to to do. And uh, you know, o- overall, um, it's it's about verifying the progress that we're making towards global sustainable development goals. Um, and you have the UN Sustainable Development Goals and the UN Food System Summit that's occurring this summer. And uh, I think one of our our main purposes right now is to showcase how animal protein is a solution to meeting those UN Sustainable Development Goals and contributing towards a healthy food system. Um, We've seen uh, many of our partners come out with very substantial commitments um, towards uh, greenhouse gas emissions and animal welfare um, and, and food safety and security, and so um, at the Meat Institute, we're gonna we're gonna do that as well, and, uh, and and that will be based off of the metrics that we're creating and the proof points that we want to develop for our membership to showcase uh, how we're going to uh, continuously improve as an industry and what that will mean uh, into the future. And I'm glad that you bring up the UN Food System Summit because Protein Pact has been submitted as um, a, a sustainability game changer, as some of the articles that I've read have called it. So is that the next step for you guys on, you know, just kind of what's next for Protein Pact? Yes, uh, the, the UN Food System Summit uh, first meeting is occurring uh, next week in Rome and um, will be a... Uh, a, a lot of events going along with that, including including an event that we have put together with uh, U.S. and international partners focused on animal protein as a solution towards healthy people, healthy planet, and healthy animals. And um, we we will be active in participating in that and uh, and have shared uh, our resources towards uh, to be part of the summit process. Um, that's going to continue. The summit occurs itself occurs in September, and we'll be pushing out more detailed uh, industry commitments, uh, both from the Meat Institute perspective uh, as well as some of our, our members as well. And so, uh, it's it's all to show the the role that that animal protein industry plays to uh, feed people and, and contribute to a healthy planet and raise healthy animals. And Eric, where can our listeners go online to learn a little bit more about Protein Pact and give their feedback? Yeah, so on our website, it's called uh, org, And on there uh, is a lot more information about uh, the Protein Pact and uh, our focus areas, as well as um, uh, information about so the sustainability efforts of our members. And specifically uh, at the Meat Institute, we have a, a framework for continuous improvement uh, through metrics that and measures that we're going to be pursuing, and uh, folks can provide feedback on that. Uh, I should also mention that the uh, U.S. Roundtable for Sustainable Poultry and Eggs, who uh, we are a member of, uh, is uh, also going through a comment period on its, its own sustainability metrics that are specific to 
the uh, chicken, turkey, and egg uh, supply chain. And so uh, folks can can access both of those there. Uh, we really would appreciate uh, lots of feedback and any feedback that, uh, that people can provide to make sure that uh, we are aligning our efforts with uh, with expectations throughout the industry and 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 what people expect for uh, just for the, the meat that they're eating. So um, it's it's all there at theproteinpack.org, and I uh, would encourage folks to check that out. Awesome. Well, Eric, thank you once again for coming on and talking to us about Protein Pack today and taking the time out to talk about important subjects like sustainability. My pleasure. again there to Eric for taking the time out of his busy schedule to sit down and talk to us about protein packed and sustainability when it comes to animal proteins. Like Eric said, you can go on the protein packed website for more information. And they also have a survey that you can take there to give your feedback. And you can always come to the Ag News Daily website and you can give us some feedback on social media as well on things that you want to hear on the podcast. Just follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ag News Daily to uh, get your message across. But with that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.